afternoon again. And uh, let me just welcome us all again to um, Ecclesia. And as I do that, can I just ask, you remember this awesome decree? Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And this is what happened. That's taken from Genesis chapter 1. I mean, on this day, I mean, the earth is about to complete another orbit around the sun. At least based on the Gregorian calendar. It is the 31st of December 2017 today. I mean, that's where we are right now. On the turn of one year to another. Um, and it's quite an exciting time as the years turn. I mean, as I'll mention later, I mean, the excitement about you know, anticipation for a new year. I think it, the fever pitch is even higher than the anticipation for Christmas, isn't it? To quite an extent, some extent. But just to um, join in the excitement and acknowledge that, yes, we are on the turn of the year today. Anyone know who this is? <laughs> yes, indeed. Joni Erickson Tada. I mean, I've heard of Johnny Erickson Tada before now, but I haven't done much more than, you know, just know her life and her ministry until now. Um, let me take a couple of minutes just to read a few things about her. I mean, we will look at, we will look at um, a few verses in James as we go into today's um, text. But Joni Erickson Tada, she's the founder and the uh, CEO of, of Joni and Friends International Disability Center. And, and she is an international advocate for people with disabilities. A diving accident in 1967 left Joni Erickson, then 17, um, a quadriplegic, as you can see, in a wheelchair, without the use of her hands, without the use of her limbs. I mean, after two years of rehabilitation, she emerged with new skills and a fresh determination to help others in similar situations. During her rehabilitation, Joni spent long months learning how to paint with a brush between her teeth. Her high-detail fine art paintings and prints are sought after and collected. 
time would actually prevent me from um, going through her life's work. So I've just clipped a few slides to give a quick, if you like, when you want to take the fast train from Lewisham to Arsenal, the one that doesn't stop everywhere, just a few clips on her life and her life's work. Um, she is married. Uh, okay, one second. In 1982, I beg your pardon, Joni begins hosting a five-minute radio program called Joni and Friends. That has been going now for 35 years. In 1988, President Ronald Reagan appoints her to a National Council on Disability. I mean, she advocates for, or she advocated for the Americans with Disabilities Act in that year as well. In 1991, Bear in mind her limitations, all right? That's the point of all this. She held a first family retreat for people with disabilities in Oregon. I just paused for a second there. I mean, the last month, I was involved in caring for my brother, my immediate younger brother. He's a wheelchair user. And boy just to get to a train station where I'd normally just hop off the bus and da, 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 I'm in there five minutes, I can allow just 20 minutes for the trip. I had to make time, two hours, just to get that done. A simple trip I would ordinarily carry out in my own strength. Well, carrying on, in 1994, Joni founded Wheels for the World. Still here today. In 1994, that, that charity delivered their first wheelchair in Ghana. In 1997, she opened, uh, the ministry opened an international disability center. 2004, they start holding international family retreats for people with disabilities. 2007, the Christian Institute on Disability Institute on Disability begins. In 2014, Wills for the World delivered their 100,000th wheelchair in Ghana from the first one in 1994. Not to mention times of deep depression and disappointment in the fact that God was not responding to her desire to have her injuries healed. She's authored over 50 books. She's received several honorary degrees. She's married 35 years now to her husband, Ken Tadar. She's had a five-year battle with breast cancer between 2010 and 2015, and so on. Oh, yeah, she got the all clear for that, by the way. And then this one gets to the juice of our text today. In 2017, Joni celebrates her 50th year of God's faithfulness to her in her wheelchair. A remarkable testimony to God's sustaining grace. Now in James chapter 4, which is where we're looking at today, God calls us to, God calls us to, 
go ahead and get these slides moving. So maybe I've shown you all of this. Here's where she had her accident, 67. And some other highlights in her ministry as well. Even the movie released in 1979. And I was saying just now that in James chapter 4, God calls us to have a keen awareness of his grace. That's available to guide us as we look toward the days ahead. Let me invite you at this point to turn with me to James chapter 4. As we read the last five verses together. James chapter 4. Okay. In James chapter 4... We read from verse 13 to uh, 17. Look here. Um, sorry, I'm reading this from uh, the New Living Translation before, because it's easy to read. So please follow along in your Bibles too, um, just so you can see where we're at as we go through the text. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there. We'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. Verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Let's... Just pray to God for enlightenment for a moment. Lord, indeed, this passage we've just read is inspired by you. You led James, one of the Lord's apostles, to write this letter. And you had it circulated through the church back in the day. Even as this reaches us today, and of course it's reached us before now, It reaches us again today and at this time of the year. Lord, instruct each of us as you will. I pray that you kindly show us how you enable us even today to live for your glory rather than ours. How our lives are truly in your hands and not ours. Indeed, at this time we get really excited about the turn of the year if we must confess the truth. Um, Father, help us just to see the glorious present and the amazing eternity you've wrapped up for us. Deliver us today from any empty pursuits that cause short or out of the glorious kingdom and the service of Jesus Christ. I pray and we ask this together 
In Jesus' name, amen. Um, honestly, no pun intended there in our prayers. I thought someone might think that was a bit of humor about the glorious present and the amazing eternity from the perfume shop. But um, hey, God's wrapped it all up for us. So, um, this letter indeed was written by one of the apostles of Jesus Christ, James, the son of Altheus. Um, we see him referred to here in the, in, in the gospel accounts and um, by Paul the apostle as well, where he talks, where Matthew talks about James, the son of, the, uh, of Altheus, being one of the apostles of Jesus Christ. And Paul referring to him as one of the pillars or one of those who were, were considered, that seemed to be pillars. When he went up to Jerusalem to verify or confirm his ministry, Paul had already been involved in sharing the gospel and uh, preaching this to Gentiles mainly, but now goes back after a period of over 14 years to, the, to see, right, who were those guys who were with Jesus and let's see if what, let's just make sure I've not been running my ministry in vain. And he runs into James at this time. This is the guy who's written this letter, and he's written it to the churches, generally. Um, and the occasion for these verses is really addressing things which God has seen and observed in the church at that time. And um, essentially, what you see here is a theme of bringing the church to remember that God's grace is available for God's pursuits, for God's redeeming purposes, for God's salvation and eternal plans rather than for our personal pursuits. So, just one thing to provide a bit of background to the text as before we get to it and look into it some more. Um, was at the time, one thing you find very common even in the church in the Mediterranean region at that time was the existence of itinerant traders. Not dissimilar from, and I think I've seen this in recent times, where you have pharmacists traveling to various NHS trusts, going to hospitals, going to GP surgeries and proposing, hey, you know what, we've got this new drug that we just come up with. Would you want to try this out? So going from place to place, trading essentially, so that such traders at the time would be involved in traveling from place to place, especially on a circuit to trade and do business. Some of you in sales might still need to travel from place to place to sell home appliances. I think I remember one time, um, who was it that was into doing fridges and gas appliances for industrial um, uh, firms or commercial traders, chip shops and stuff like that here in church. I can't remember who exactly it was, but we had someone like that and going from place to place to sell stuff. So 
where James is talking to the church and addressing the, 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 the people, saying that they determine they will go from place to place um, to do business. This is the setting or this is the kind of situation that you find or the kind of business people were involved in that and the people that he's addressing in, in our text today. Um, <clears throat> one other thing to help us see what James is focusing on, our text for today comes from the fourth chapter of his letter, a general letter to the churches, not addressed to any particular church, but one that circulated lots of churches in the Mediterranean region in the early, early days of the church. And it comes from the fourth chapter where God highlights the need for believers to humbly submit themselves to God's eternal property, eternal priority, I beg your pardon, of redeeming us to himself, of saving us from our helpless and pitiable state. Um, rather than chase after God for uh, what we want from him. You know, while going through this, I just remembered um, that in our Christmas series, in our Christmas mini-series, what, what did you expect? You know, um, Pastor Ephraim and uh, Richard actually talked about this a little bit. And, you know, a song just come to mind, like, what has he done for me lately? No, definitely not. <laughs> that kind of thing is one kind of attitude or, or disposition we could have toward God rather than actually realizing that God makes all his resource, his might, his power, all of heaven available to us. Not on merit, not on the basis of anything we've done, not for anything that we've done to please him or get him to turn his grace on on tap, but of his own free will, looking to save us, knowing we need his help, knowing we need salvation. So, as mentioned earlier, that, you know, the level of expectation even when it comes to the new year. Maybe I'm speaking about this from a, my Nigerian background. So, check this. Tonight, churches will be packed full. They'll be packed full. I think, I remember some years ago, there was a church in uh, Lagos, Nigeria, where they hired this massive arena, but still, there wasn't enough room for people to come in. So the explanation the church gave was this, that, okay, they, they had to charge a gate fee just to restrict people coming in. So there wasn't overcrowding. But anyway, people paid and the place was packed, full and overflowing. So, I mean, the expectations are even higher and greater because it's the turn of a year for us. Even those who do not um, have any faith or place any belief in God still look with expectation to a new year, 
And there's all kinds of events going on tonight. Cross over and pray your way through and, you know, decree what you will for the new year and so on. But you see, here's the point that God's make, God makes here. God's grace is available to believers and it's available for it's available for his redeeming work in Christ rather than for our short-term personal gains. Let me repeat that. God's grace is available to believers for his redeeming work in Christ rather than for our short-term personal gains. All right? So, um, James uh, here is somebody that um, um, would know a thing or two about the grace of God upon people's lives. Seeing, as I mentioned earlier, this is somebody that Paul the Apostle, who wrote about 13 of the 27 New Testament letters, went up to Jerusalem to see, just to check out, hmm, Am I actually working God's purposes? Am I working God's grace? Am I fulfilling God's plans? He would know something about the grace of God if this is the kind of guy that someone's coming to refer to. But um, looking at what I just said, the grace of God being available to believers for God's redeeming work in Christ rather than our short-term personal gains, it's not like... Okay, if that's the case, let's just submit ourselves to God so that then when we submit ourselves and hand ourselves over to God, then God's grace, you know, overflows on us. I mean, I've heard phrases like, well, he that waters will himself be, sorry, watered. I've heard people say things like, you know, at least if, if you're the host that God uses to bless and minister to others, you will also get blessed. Can you begin to sense the kind of motivation there? At least in the hope of I will get blessed somehow if I submit myself to do God's purpose and God's plan. But it's not like, okay, let's submit ourselves to God, then we'll have his grace. Then, because we've done that, we'll have his grace on tap. But, again, as we were worshipping earlier on, I, um, I mean, this, kind of, this came to mind as well. And um, we haven't done anything, nothing at all, to warrant God's grace. I mean, this is just really crazy grace. Crazy. I can't imagine. I mean, we heard in the news recently about Apple apologizing to customers for... <laughs> I was like, huh? Apologizing to customers for, for intentionally slowing down the operating system on old phones to conserve battery life. But listen... Apple ain't going to give you new batteries for free. The grace of God 
is not like that. We, we haven't done anything. There's no merit for which the grace of God comes available to, to us. It's already turned on. And it's already on tap. However, the issue here is a mindset which James seeks to address in the church. And he's calling for a mind that is truly repentant and truly relating with God for who he is and for his grace and for the, for the grace and the salvation that he has revealed and that he provides. Get this, he does this through a continuing and an ongoing relationship with Christ. God's grace is made available and is made available and it's, it's available to the mind that is truly repentant, that is relating with God for who he is and for the salvation that he makes available and provides through a, a continuing relationship with Jesus Christ. Now he continues, of course, to do this work even by his spirit as he forms the believer into Christ's nature. Now the issue is addressed here um, in, in the relationship with, in the relationship that, that these people or, the, or the, the church that, that James um, addresses here have with God. Several things stand out here which we would do well to see and give heed to. Talking about this time where we're approaching, where, we're co- where we've come to the last day of 2017 and are looking to the new year. Just one second. We can make plans. One thing, <clears throat> we can make plans for the future, especially <clears throat> as we go over our resolutions. Sure, there's definitely people who've, got, who've made plans and have, have decided to do, decided what things to do for the new year. Maybe read the Bible, pray some more, um, finish studying a book of the Bible, or finish this course or degree, whatever it is. We can make plans for the new year. But this goes beyond that, what James is addressing in our text today. There is a presumptuous attitude here that James seeks to address. Quick question. Just going in the context of the passage we're looking at, there is a presumptuous attitude that James addresses and points out. And I think we've sort of summarized this already in the point of... <clears throat> in making the point that God's grace is available to believers for his redeeming work. Would you ever stop to think or imagine that um, where you see a a text like this that says that you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. It's like you make an investment and you want a return from it, definitely. But that's the sense in which God is looking at the grace that he makes available and looking that it works and accomplishes his purposes. 
rather than look to uh, make us, mankind, even perfect humans, if you, could, if, you, if, if you could ever encounter such a phenomenon, if you could ever encounter such a thing. But James is addressing a presumptuous attitude here in the lives of the, of the church. So, the attitude here is this. I'll throw this question out to each one of us. Which of us here can, in your own power or in my own power, determine what your life will be tomorrow? Anyone? I know that's kind of like a, I mean, there's, 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 it's, the answer is obvious. But truly speaking, how do we actually live our lives? Do we live as though we can determine tomorrow? Do we live as though we can actually determine the next few days or the next year? We're really quite limited and live each day if the truth be told, and that is the fact, we live each day in the hope of a better tomorrow. We live today, 31st of December, in the hope that, yeah, we'll see a new year. It will be better. You know, I've, I've started getting those messages, tons of them. You know, definitely you will prosper. Things will be good for you. Everything that, you know, the Kanka worm and the Palmer worm and the whatever I've stolen from the last year, God will restore them sevenfold, and so on. But <laughs> here's the point that James is addressing, and let's stay with faithful to the text now. We can make plans, um, but this goes beyond that. The attitude here is one of presumption that he's addressing, and... Um, is addressing presumption that comes from a selfish motivation. As though, yeah, we can do all things, whichever we have set our minds upon. So, let's look now, verse 13. Let's quickly go into the text and we'll be done in a few minutes. Look here. You who say today or tomorrow... We are going to a certain town, and we will stay there, yeah. We will do business, and we will do business. We will make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? How? Your life is like a morning fog. I mean, I've traveled sometimes... Um, been to Cornwall for Creation Fest a couple of times and, you know, it's quite humid over there. Early in the morning, boy, it's nice to walk in the cool fog as it comes really low. Just, you could, almost like you're walking in clouds. But as soon as the sun comes out, gone. It's not there anymore, you know. And um, he asked the question, how do you know? what your life will be like tomorrow. It's like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Now, check this. Um, 
the attitude is, is presumptuous and um, it is selfish. And sometimes I actually often find myself just like the thing, the thing um, uh, James is pointing out here. Sometimes I often find myself struggling and confused when I try to set goals and plans without God. You know, independent of God, as though, yeah, I'm going to achieve this, I'm going to accomplish this with no thought of God in mind. Get this. We really are easily in this same predicament because that's just human nature. That's just human nature. Whilst, yes, these guys set themselves targets, they want to achieve, they want to accomplish great things, they want to... Everybody wants business to prosper. Everybody's looking for a better job. Everybody's looking for more than the minimum or the London living wage. Some are looking to win the lottery. <laughs> but hey, question is, there's nothing wrong with planning. I mean, make the plans. Make the plans. But make the plans with the purposes of God in mind. Make the plans recognizing who God is. Make the plans recognizing that God is in control. Or isn't he? Pastor E asked the question while we were while worshipped. What is your estimation of God? Who is God? Do you know who he is? If you do, do you actually live like you do know who he is? And his, he makes his grace available for us and for all who acknowledge him, all who look to him, all who trust and depend and live like, hey, Lord, my life depends on you. So, um, we make the plans, knowing that our lives indeed are in the hands of one um, who has the power to determine all things. Make the plans intending that the plans we make will glorify God. They will glorify God. And they will showcase God. And they will elevate his name and his kingdom. Um, that was the whole point of really just giving that little summary of Joni's life. Despite the adversity, despite the odds, I mean, I, just looking at her life, I thought, boy, it's, something just doesn't add up. Here's a woman who's quadriplegic, but then look at all that sh sh I was going to say she's doing, but look at all that God is doing through her life. Look at how God's glorifying himself despite the limitations that she physically has. Look at all of that. And it's also the glory of God. Who gets the credit? Who gets the glory? Who gets the praise? And the plans and the purposes that we make. 
Remember the last thing, and this is on Joni's website, by the way. She celebrates her 50th year of God's faithfulness to her. And she highlights it, the weakness, like Paul. I will gladly glory in my weaknesses. Her 50th year in her wheelchair. A remarkable testimony to God's sustaining grace. What are the plans you have for 2018? What are the things you've looked at in 2017 and thought, nah, I'm going to do better than this next year? You're looking to do these in your strength. Are you looking to, like these guys, determining that I'm going to a certain town? I'll stay there for a year. I'm going to be the first guy to start selling sand in Scotland or selling snow in Snowdonia. I'll be the first. And I will make it. <laughs> to, to whose glory? To whose end? Child of God. Remember what God says. He gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. Here's the problem with this. Here's the problem. It's quite presumptuous. It's not like God gets scared when we get ambitious. It's not like God is some next guy that we can look to and aspire to be like when, when we make it. I'll be in control of everything. I'll rule the world. I'll have all of the world at my fingertips. I'll have holiday homes in Dominican Republic, Jamaica, Barbados, wherever. All the pleasure spots in the world, I'll have everything. There'll be no problems. I won't lack for anything. In fact, I wouldn't even have to touch money. It's not like God's some next guy we want to just be like. Sounds very familiar. Satan said, I will be like God when he desired such, uh, when he had such aspirations. But you only need to take a look around the world and see how the worst comes to others when men go rogue on God. When we set our kingdom up as what we want to accomplish or what we want to succeed or what we want to thrive. And these kinds of times of the year are easily times when, when yeah, that temptation comes to just yield to it. Let's, God, you wait for me. I'm coming. I've got some new things to do. New friends to make. But look, question, what is your life, truly? And I gave you the example of the vapor, uh, the, the, the morning fog I experienced in, um, in the West. The psalmist also uses this expression or this phrase in Psalm 102 and verse 11 where he says, My days are lengthened like a shadow. And I wither away like grass. 
we also remember the story. Who, who remembers that story? In Luke chapter 12, where Jesus talks about a rich man who gathered. He, he, his business prospered. His barns, his farms produced a lot. And he thought, Scripture says, to himself, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rebuild my barns. I mean, this farmhouse is a bit too small. These silos, I need a new high-tech silos. I'm just putting it in my words. I need new high-tech silos that can just that be automated, that just you know, bring me whatever I want to press from my dining table. He was happy to sort himself out. But check it. He made great plans for his future, but he foolishly lost it all when his soul was required of him. That's in God's hands. Our lives are in God's hands, even as we come to the end of the year. Do we want to go somewhere else? Oh yes, it's a temptation we all face. But God is gracious in pointing out to us, hey look, my grace is available to you for every redeeming work that you will, that I've appointed you to, I've called you to, you've entered into. The grace is available, it's there. For every good work in Christ, rather than what we personally want from him. Does that mean God's not interested in, in my career? He's not interested in my grades? He's not interested in my health? Wait a minute. Does God offer us more than all of this? Does he offer us eternal life? Think for a minute the question. Look, God heals God provides for us our need. God fulfills our deepest desires. But still, at the end of it all, this is a question I often ask out there in Lucian. Sometimes when you meet people just wanting to be difficult and not face the reality of life in God's hands and in God's kingdom. There's a building out there which has been there for at least over 100 years. And I said, look at those dates on that tower there. You think there's anybody alive from that date right now? And they go, uh, yeah, but that's not the point. I'm like, yeah, but that is the point. You can get whatever life offers you. You can get whatever you experience or enjoy here. But it is short term. Yet, the things that God enables us to do, even for his glory, will count for eternity. Will count for eternity. And still at the same time, knowing that life easily is short, as James alludes here. Knowing that our life is like the morning dew. That's there a little while and it's gone. Does that mean... We can just loaf around because life's short. Not be diligent about the things that we're given to do. I can choose not to be a faithful husband. I can choose to lout around, you know, just do whatever I feel like at home. 
leave the laundry undone, leave the dishes, I've got a wife. <laughs> can, I, can I do that? Of course not. Of course not. I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> nah. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me be very clear. It's, it's, it's sinful to neglect even the common duties of life under the idea that, yeah, after a while I'll, I'll do some more. Uh, okay, I wouldn't do dishes for a while, but one day I will. You know? Neglect those things to your peril. You will find somebody building a case against you in God's presence. I can assure you. <laughs> some of the things that the wives will pray about. <laughs> Lord, may he do the dishes. <laughs> you know, are you a student? Can you choose to neglect even your academic endeavor, your studies? Just because, yeah, eventually I'll have the opportunity to have a good shot at it. No, definitely not. Because eventually, even in those common duties that God places on us, we must be diligently doing those things, even for His glory and for His purposes. So, um, quickly move it on. What does James reveal to us about the grace of God that indeed is available for us. As we walk with him, he says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wants us to, if the Lord wants us to, we shall live and do this or that. You see, it really is arrogant to just think that we can live and move and have our being without God. It really is. It's like we go around with an inflated impression of ourselves, humanly speaking, as though, yes, I can live, I can do as I like, but then ultimately, we don't determine the end. God determines what happens. We don't determine what happens tomorrow. God does. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm reminded of, um, what's this guy, this owner of the Segway company? Very wealthy guy. Well, ends up dying from an accident on one of his Segway, falling off one of his Segway machines, scooters. I'm thinking, wow, that's odd. You think, okay, this that brings you wealth. I don't, I don't know anything about his faith. I'm not saying, or, you know, I'm not criticizing the guy or anything. But you would think, wow, this thing that really just brought you, you know, some kind of means of livelihood and all that at least somehow should have some positive effect in terms of making life more, if you like, longer or meaningful or beneficial, but whoa, an accident. And that was it. 
You see, it's sheer arrogance to just think, well, more than we really can do. And we can't do anything about tomorrow. We can't do anything to bring the new year on. We can't do anything to make this year end. It just goes on the way God has set and determined things. You see, what we should say as, as we're encouraged to do here, addressing the attitude of arrogance is, rather than that, let's say, if God wills, we can plan, make plans, determine what you want to do. But do it in the will, in the plans, in the purposes of God. Do it to bring him glory. I'm hoping this is useful and beneficial. Because yes, it's quite a general letter. It's quite a general um, point. But it, it's, it's crucial at this time of the year where we look forward it's easily a high point where we look forward and determine, yes, I'm going to do this, that, or the other next year. Um, do it trusting in God. Paul knew this and, and um, lived in this way. Paul the Apostle, in Acts chapter 18 and verse 21, um, on his way to Rome in custody, saw the leaders of the Ephesian church and says to them, I will return again to you, God willing. And talked about coming back to them shortly, if God wills, speaking to the Corinthian church. And speaking to the Corinthian church again, I hope to stay a while with you, if God permits There is freedom to plan. There is freedom to do as we will, if God permits. If God permits. I pray there is no heart considering or thinking, oh, it seems like God just doesn't want you to do anything. No. His grace is available and freely available for us in his purposes and in his plans. When you think about the fact that God freely gives us everlasting life, freely gives his son to die, to atone for sin for us. Somebody asked a question in scripture, if God has freely given us Christ, will he not with him freely give us every good thing? He will. Every good thing. All right. And... This is the point James makes, which we've touched on, but he brings, here we see it spelt out. If we're planning without God in mind, purposing things, determining what to do without God in mind, then really we're just boasting about our own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. It's inflated. It's like not wanting to face the reality that God is God. Not wanting to face the reality that God is in control. Not wanting to face the reality that indeed um, we are 
making claims that we cannot do anything about. Making claims that we cannot even uphold. But let's do this instead. Here's a challenge. Let's live according to what we know of the Lord. Verse 17, James says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You see, he knows it's far easier to think about and talk about just giving ourselves in this manner, humbly submitting ourselves to God to say, yeah, God, you rule, I don't. You determine tomorrow, so I submit my plans to you. It's easier to talk the talk. I'll be honest with you. It's easier. I mean, I started a new role recently at work, and I, I just thought, gosh, I'm going to call all these friends in my phone book who are, S2, who are estate agents. Check this. <laughs> Not one of them's given me any business. <laughs> At all. But you know what? God has just kind of like brought people I've never known from Adam and like here. Accomplishing things that I never even imagined. Ask Missy. I hate sales. I hate, listen, you talk about business or investments. I'm nervous like crazy. I would run in the opposite direction, where, where there's risk involved, where there's trying to close a deal of some sort. But God's enabling me to do it. Only three months in. <laughs> I, I can't understand that. For somebody who has no idea, no knowledge, no experience. But his grace is sufficient. And I don't, I don't say that to, to big myself up. It's... It's just God. It is God. Times I found myself praying, God, please help this team. Help the people on this team. Help us work together and so on and so forth. But God just makes things possible that I never even imagined I could do. So... It's easier to just, you know, talk about being submitted to God than it is actually doing it. It's so, it's easier. I'm standing here sharing from God's word, but I can tell you, Tywo mentioned, <laughs> mentioned something earlier. Does it take this long to prepare for a sermon? Listen, to get yourself to even sit down and prepare for the sermon. That's, that's a, that's a, woof. It's like 200 horsepower pulling you away from your Bible. <laughs> there's, some, there's so many series on Netflix and Amazon to watch. Hey. It's easier to, to do it. To submit to God. Just come and lay down under. Sometimes I I just wonder, it seems the world has the concept easier explained than we do. I mean, so many Christmas series, how how to train your dragon. I saw that the other day. Anybody seen How to Train Your Dragon? All right. (laughs) 
I mean, film producers or scriptwriters can write it in there to, that it's possible to do the impossible. Bring a dragon to submit to a human. James talks about it being possible to tame every kind of creature. But he says, even this tongue, oh, it's an unruly evil. It's, it's set on fire by hell itself, he says. Just to express the difficulty of actually coming to God. But here is God's grace. Here is God's grace. Look. However um, high, however lofty these, uh, this call might seem to submit to God, to give, make ourselves available to God for his work, for his purposes. It is possible by the grace of God, because of what God says, that he gives grace to the humble. And he opposes the proud. It becomes proud when we want to do life without God. It becomes proud when we want to make our plans and put things in motion with no consideration. As though we don't have a relationship with God. When in fact, we have the best possible relationship we could have. Not for anything we have done. Not for anything we've accomplished. Not for anything we've presented to God but just because of God's mercy and God's grace, he brings us into himself through Christ. That's what makes it possible. Will we trust God with our plans for 2018? Will we trust God with our plans for this afternoon? I know we've, he's set eternity in our hearts. So that right now, we're possibly thinking about lunch. <laughs> but hey, we know we can trust God with even the next few hours, the next few moments. Today is what we have. 2018 is still very far away. Because how to get there, we don't have a clue. But God will bring it on. So, just as we wrap this up, can I ask us to just stand and let's pray? Can I ask us to stand and let's pray? I asked the same question that we asked earlier on. Where, or rather, who is God? To you? Who is God in your life? Who's God in my life? Who is Christ? What place does He have in my plans for the next few moments? I acknowledge, just as I'm sure it is with every one of us, it is kind of hard to stop and just think, yeah. God has a place. God has absolute control over my life. Yeah, that's easier said than done. But it's a good time to just acknowledge, Lord, acknowledge God for who he is to you right now. Just take a moment to do that.
acknowledge God for even the plans that we have for the next couple of hours. We may have things we intend to do for next year. We'll get there by His grace. I don't say that to scare anyone. (laughs) But just acknowledging that He is in control. He is God. And we're not. But the good thing is, His grace is available every work that we propose, that we intend, even as he redeems us in Christ. Lord, our lives are in, in your hands. Whether today or tomorrow, whatever we propose to do, Whatever we've imagined or thought, yes, we will accomplish. Help us, Lord, to put them in proper perspective. Seeing that you have loved us already. We ain't trying to be good so that you love us. We ain't trying to be clean by ourselves or accepted before you by our own effort we recognize what you have done for us through Jesus the only way the way, the truth, the life our savior, our lord our redeemer it's a crucial time for us especially as the year turns and lord we acknowledge you and your saving grace upon our lives. We just commit all our plans, all our thoughts to you. Even the simple duties, the common duties you've given to us. Things we might not think have anything to do with you. Lord, we submit them all. Knowing that your grace is already available to us because of Jesus Christ. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.